Hi, I'm Shane Robertson, and welcome to the Maysville Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here at Maysville, we want to practice loving God, loving others, and serving the world. I trust this sermon will be an encouragement to you as it challenges your heart and strengthens your walk of faith. Now, grab your Bibles as we get ready to hear from the Word of God. Let me encourage you to find Exodus chapter number 13. Exodus chapter 13. I want to use verse 3 as a springboard verse. And while you're finding your place this morning, I was reminded this week of a story of a, uh, a gentleman who had a neighbor, and the neighbor had a little boy. And this gentleman who had the neighbor, we'll call him Mr. Green, uh, heard something going on in the backyard. Uh, of his neighbor's house and so he went out back and he went over to the fence line and he peered over the fence line curious about what was going on in his neighbor's yard and there stood the young boy uh, that was his neighbor's son crying uh, covering up a very very large hole that he had dug the curious neighbor said son are you okay and the little boy looked at his neighbor and replied my goldfish died and I had to bury him. And the neighbor looked at the ground again and saw how big the hole was and said, Son, that's an awfully large hole for that goldfish, isn't it? And the little boy looked up, patting down with the shovel. Uh, the dirt looked up and said, My fish was in your cat's belly. Uh, that's what you call honesty. I think we need to be honest in the United States of America. I think we need to come to grips and be honest that our culture is sick and in desperate need of healing. I think we need to be honest that the fact of the matter is we need a revival in the United States of America. I want to warn you, not trying to be ugly, not trying to be mean, and not uh, asking for any trouble. This sermon will not be politically correct. It might offend you. I want you to clearly understand I'm a flag-waving Christian American. I thank God for our nation. I thank God for our country. I don't think we're a perfect place, but I think our founding fathers built this nation on Judeo-Christian principles. And we need to get honest with the fact that we have left the old path. We have left the old ways. And if we're going to strive today to please the Lord... As a nation, we've got to get back to fearing Him. It's not enough to just give lip service to God and say that we love Him. We need to fear Him. We need to fear Him as a nation. We need to fear Him in our homes. And it ought to be a reverential fear. One that we pause and reflect every week on the goodness of God. One that we pause and reflect on the sacrifice of our Savior. One that we pause and reflect on how that God is going to bless his church and that we are the bride of Christ. One that God will bless in regards to fearing him and loving him as well. We need to get honest with ourselves. We need to get honest with God. When I think about honesty, I can't help but think about that Sunday school teacher that was just finishing a lesson on honesty. She asked the children, she said, do you know where children go when they don't put their money in the collection plate? 
A little boy raised his hand. He said, ooh, 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 I know. She said, yes. She says, yeah. He said, yes, ma'am, I, I know exactly where they go. They go to the movies. I think that's our problem today. Uh, we have taken the money that belongs to God and we've gone to the movies of cultural relevance and political correctness. And we have found ourselves in a precarious situation where God will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah if he don't do something with America. We must come to grips with who we are as a nation. This country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. And God in his word gave very clear direction concerning memorials and memorial days. He spoke uh, to Moses in Exodus chapter 13 verse 3. And he told Moses to tell the children of Israel this. And Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which thou went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. He said there's a sacrifice in remembering where you came from. Brothers and sisters, we have forgotten the sacrifice of where we came from as a nation. And we would, it would do us well to pause like Moses inquired of the children of Israel and reflect upon the blessings of God and remember some things concerning our faith, concerning our nation, and concerning the direction that we're going as born-again children of God. Uh, when I think about this Memorial Day service, and I thank God for those that had given the ultimate sacrifice and shed their blood, even on foreign lands across the world, so that I might have the freedom to stand up here and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And without any fear of someone coming in and arresting me and putting me in prison by the exercising of the liberties and the rights that I have as an American Christian pastor, there's some things that we need to remember. I could spend 10 hours talking about things we ought to remember, but because of time, I'm only going to give you five I want us to reflect on today. Number one, the first thing I want us to remember is this. We should remember our salvation. We should remember our salvation. If you remember the day you got saved, say amen right there. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 1, Solomon said, Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. He said, remember now the creator. We, we got to remember when he said this, when Solomon said this, he was an old man. He had lived his life in such a precarious way where he said, I'm going to try to find happiness outside of God. And he tried everything. He tried liquor. He tried ladies. He tried lasciviousness. He tried luxury. He tried everything that he possibly could to fill the void inside his heart that, that only God can fill. And this is what he came to. This is his conclusion. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. He said, go back and remember your salvation. Go back and remember the day you got saved. I have people say, preacher, I'd love to remember the day I got saved, but I'm not like you. I can't remember the exact day. You stand up there and say you were saved on March uh, 24th, uh, uh, 1988. And man, you know that. You know that day. You know you were uh, 14 years of age. You remember all that. So I just can't remember. Could I just relieve you of that, of that depression that the devil's got you on? It's not so much that you remember the day. It's that you remember the event, the experience that happened in your life. Here's the question you've got to wrestle with. When you got saved, bless God, did you change? 
Was there a change that came on in your life? Bless God, we need to stop and remember our salvation. You remember the day you got saved. I remember as a 14-year-old boy turning loose of that seat in front of me, walking the aisle, giving my hand to my principal and giving my heart to Jesus Christ. I didn't hear the hallelujah chorus. There wasn't a bright light shine down upon me. They didn't flip on the spotlight. But I'm telling you, what, what came off of my shoulders was such a great relief. It was the relief of forgiveness. And thank God, the Holy Spirit came into my heart. It's a day that changed my life forever. And I want to just say this. I hadn't got over yet oh Chris took off running I think I'll run too we ought to remember our salvation not only are we ought to remember our salvation let me give you a second thing we ought to remember we ought to remember our vows and commitments uh, we're living in a culture today where we, 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 we turn our nose at the vows and commitments that we've made to God Again, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, Solomon said this. He says, when you vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. He hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not avow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Now, a vow is any promise or commitment that you make. In this respect, he's talking about a promise or a commitment that you've made to God. He said it would be better not to make that vow at all than to make it and break it. Uh, we're living in a culture today where we make and break vows that we've made to God all the time. We vow that we're going to be faithful to God in regards to our giving. And we don't do it. We must remember to keep our vows to God. Let me just give you this first. Number one, our vows to God should be remembered. In regard to our vows to God that should be remembered, we ought to remember the giving, the financial promises we made to God. Now, look, I don't come up here every week and preach about money. I am so grateful for your faithfulness. I, I, we've got one of the greatest, most faithful congregation in regards to giving. Look what you've been able to do. Look what God's been able to do through you in regards to our giving here at Maysville Baptist Church. Not only have we been able to meet budget, but we've been able to watch this debt fall to $220,000 today. And while we point that out on many weeks, there's not a week that goes by that I don't say, I need you to give. I need you to give 10%. I don't browbeat. That's not anything I do. That's not my heart. I simply say this. You make a vow to God, and whatever God wants you to give, that's what I want you to give. I want you to give what God wants you to give. Here's the question. Have you broke that vow? We ought to remember the vows that we made to God concerning finances. Let me just say this. We ought to remember the vows we made to God concerning our witness. When we received Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and Lord, and we got the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, we made a commitment to Him to help fulfill the Great Commission because it's a commission, which means we ought to every day, daily, as God gives opportunity... We ought to be sharing our faith. We ought to be sharing the gospel. Can I ask you this question just by way of challenge? Who did you share the gospel with last week? Who did you do share about? Now, I'm not talking about inviting to church. I said, well, I, I invited three people to church. That's not the gospel. The gospel is sharing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and bringing someone to a crossroads to do something with Jesus. 
Either reject him or deny him or just say, not, not at this time. But give them an opportunity to either receive or reject the gospel. We must know that we've made a vow to God and we got to be faithful to God in that remember the vow you made to God when you joined him and when he received you as, your, as his son. Number three, we ought to remember the vow to God concerning holy living. Holy living. God's called us as Christians. We're not like this world. Lest God, this world don't know if they're boys or girls. If I had a dollar for every gender that's out there, or every gender that's in the Bible, I'd have two dollars. Look, I know it's not politically correct, but I'm telling you, God made male and he made female. I don't hate transgender people. I love them. They're welcome here. Welcome to come here. But we have forgotten the vows that we've made to God in relationship to our Judeo-Christian principles in being founded on a nation that believes in what the Bible says. We need to remember the calling that God's called on our lives and answer that calling. I mean, I'm so excited to look around our congregation today and see all these young men that are, that are surrendering themselves for ministry. Got Connor sitting here on the front row. Connor just two weeks ago came into our internship program, wrestling with a call to ministry. Preached his very first sermon last week in the nursing home. Heard he did an outstanding job. Connor, I love you. I thank God for you, brother. Right there on the front row. Bless God. He wants to be under the spout where the glory comes out. I'm trying not to spit on you, Connor, but I'm glad you're in the front row. I think about Carson over here. What God is doing in his life. And Carson, I hadn't pulled you aside and told you, but regularly I get stopped by students telling me how much they love you and what a difference you're making in their lives. Hadn't been long ago Carson stood up on this stage, surrendered his life to full-time Christian service. God's using him for his glory. Is Robbie back there? Is he back there in this service? Where are you at, Robbie? No, he's not. He's in Sunday school, right where he should be. All right, good. Robbie works back there. He's going to be leaving us tomorrow. Robbie is, uh, what grade is he in? What grade is Robbie in? Do you know? Carson, do you know? He's going to 11th grade. He's going to be a junior. Robbie's leaving us tomorrow. He's going to a camp to be a camp counselor to tell kids about Christ. Man, God's calling these young men. Every time you turn around, here comes another one. I had a young, a young man he's, who had already graduated. He's just graduated from college a couple years ago. He's in the workforce now. And he said, Pastor, he said, thinking about all these guys that are surrendering for ministry. Now, this is a young man in his 20s. He just simply said this. He, he said, shouldn't we all be in ministry in one way, shape, or another? What's he doing? He's remembering the vow that he made to God. We need to remember the vows and commitment we made to God. Number three, let me give you a third one. Let me give you a third one. We're, we're skipping on, dear brother. Let's go, to the, let's go to the third one. We are to remember our soldiers. We are to remember our soldiers. Uh, listen to what 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 7 says. The Bible says this. Out from all the towns of Israel, they came to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with tambourines and lutes. They danced and they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. 
Now we know contextually, we know that there's a big rift that's about to happen between Saul and David. And David's being used mildly by the Lord. But I want you to get the picture here. The picture is the soldiers are coming back from battle. And God has called the people to remember the sacrifice that those soldiers made as they were on the battlefield. And as they came back home into their home country, they were singing and they were dancing and they were celebrating as these military individuals came back home. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves what happened in the Vietnam War. Soldiers coming back being spit on, being told that they're baby killers. War is a messy thing. War is a hard thing. War is a difficult thing. But bless God, if you served in war, I was always taught that you're a hero. I was always taught that somebody you looked up to, that's somebody that, that you should honor. And every opportunity I get, whether it's in the airport or wherever I'm at, if I see someone that's dressed in the military regalia and I see that they're either coming or going, I do my absolute best to try to buy them lunch or supper or breakfast or something just to say thank you. Not because I think they're better than we are, but I understand the sacrifice that they're making in order for me to have freedom to preach the gospel in the United States of of America. I was taught a person in military uniform was a hero. We need to remember that today. And we look what's going on in our culture today and we see all these protests that are going on. The sovereignty of our nation is, is dwindling away so heavily as illegal immigration is coming across our borders. When protesters begin to speak out against our military, I think to myself, they do not understand the blood that was shed for them. We should make much of our war heroes in front of our children. We should remember those who died for our freedom and also for those civil servants who on 9-11 ran into those buildings when everybody else said run out. They ran in. We do well to praise the Lord and thank God for those that were enlisted in the military, not on foreign field, but in an airplane that looks around and says, this plane's going down. Let's roll and protect the freedom that we have in the United States of America. We should remember our country began as a Christian nation. We should remember that we were based on Judeo-Christian values. We were built on God's law. That's what makes America great. Not, not a president. What makes America great is that God, we were founded as a biblical nation, a Judeo-Christian nation. Now, have we been faithful? No. Have, do we make mistakes? Yes. It was an experiment to escape the tyranny that existed in New England, to come over here and say, we want to worship the one true God. But we're in danger. We're in danger of losing it all. Because we have, we have forsaken the blessed promises of God. From babies to borders, we've become vain in our imaginations. Professing ourselves to be wise, we have become as fools. Now, I'm not against immigration. I'm just against illegal immigration. Nor do I hold a grudge against anyone who's seeking a better life in coming to America. In fact, I think our country's population uh, most entirely, almost entirely, is, comp is consisted of individuals that have immigrated to this country. However, there's a few things uh, that who have re that's recently come to my attention that we all need to understand. Number one is this. First of all, it is not our responsibility to continually to try not to offend you in any way. 
This idea of America being a multicultural community is served only to dilute our sovereignty and national identity. As Americans, we have our own culture. As Americans, we have our own society. We have our own language. We have our own lifestyle. This culture that we have, it's called the American way. It's been developed by uh, millions and millions of men and women who have sought out freedom. So many fought and bled and died in places like Bunker Hill and and, uh, Iwo Jima and Normandy and Korea and Vietnam and Iraq and other places. They shed their blood so that we could have freedom in the United States of America. By the way, let me say number two. All of our founding documents were written in English. I told you it wasn't going to be politically correct. Our documents weren't written in Arabic or Spanish or Chinese or Japanese or Russian. It was written in English. If you want to be a part of our society and a part of our nation, learn our language. We speak English. So you're going to get in trouble, preacher. I'm already in trouble. You don't understand. I stay in trouble. I don't mean to. But let me just share this with you. In God we trust is our national motto. Uh, This is not some off-the-wall Christian right political slogan. It's our national motto. Our nation's motto is, in God we trust. Look at it. It's on our currency. It's engraved in stone in the House of Representatives in our capital. We uh, adopt, every time you turn around, we've adopted growing up as Christian men and women, these Christian principles that were founded. And all through our founding documents, there's God. God is in everything that we do. In fact, God was so important in our government we see that somewhere along the way we even put it in our Pledge of Allegiance. Why? Because God is a vital part of America. He's in our national anthem, nearly every patriotic song that we sing. He's in our founding documents. We honor His birth. We honor His death. We honor His resurrection and holidays. We turn to Him in prayer in times of crisis. If God offends you, then I suggest you exercise another important part of our freedom and leave. Look at that person beside you and say, he'll be done here in a minute. (laughs) We're proud of our heritage. I'm proud to be a Christian American. I'm thankful for those who have honorably fought for our freedoms. I celebrate Independence Day. I celebrate Memorial Day. I celebrate Veterans Day and Flag Day. I go to parades. I go to picnics. I have barbecue. I'm probably going to cook hot dogs tomorrow afternoon. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves. Those that take the very flag that was bled and died for and burn it. The stars and stripes still mean something. It means that there was bloodshed on this country by a veteran, someone that served. I was talking to one of our servicemen just last week we were talking about the different cultures and the different things that exist between the United States and in other in other countries and how that our military has been tapped with the responsibility to help in humanitarian efforts in other parts of the world and and, and how dangerous it is it, it could be that just offering just a simple bottle of water could cost a soldier his life 
also that we could have the freedom to stand up and speak and preach and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a reason in, God, in the past when God blessed America. God blessed America because God feared America. Our First Amendment gives every citizen the right to express his opinions about our government, about our culture, about our society. And we allow everyone the opportunity to do so. But once you're done complaining and whining and griping about our flag, our pledge, our national motto, our way of life, I highly encourage you to take advantage of another great freedom. And that's the freedom to get out of town. We ought to remember the sacrifice that our soldiers and heroes made. Number four, we need to remember the old paths. We need to remember the old paths. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16, the Bible says this, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the way and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. We find the children of Israel says, we know which way we ought to walk, but we're not going to walk that way. That's exactly what we're doing today in our culture. We know the way that we ought to walk, the way of the Lord, but we choose not to. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 28 says this, Remove not the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have set. All across our land are ancient landmarks that point us to the Judeo-Christian foundation of our nation. Again, our nation is not perfect. It was not founded by perfection. As a matter of fact, I think if it, our nation was uh, founded on perfection, then we would have a great, great, great challenge and reflect how we would explain slavery. Slavery was the greatest sin on American history. The very thing that we wish to escape is the very thing that enslaved people here in this nation. God have mercy on us. We've asked forgiveness, but there has to come a place in our nation. There has to come a place where we say, okay, let's move on. Let's move on. And the only way to move on is we've got to remember the old path. Scripture is clear on what you should do with slavery, and that is get rid of it. The bond servants that we find in Scripture are those servants that have re received within themselves the Holy Spirit of God, speaking spiritually, spiritually speaking, and have joined themselves to Christ, and we are a slave to Jesus Christ. But in order to remember the old past, there are some specific things we need to remember. Number one, we need to remember the old book. We need to remember the old book. Thank God. You got your Bible today. Lift up your Bible real high. Lift it up real high. Make the devil mad. Shake it at him. He's a liar. The truth isn't he? This is what we go by. This is what we go by. The word of the living God is what we need to get back to. Listen, we don't follow it because it's archaic. We follow it because it came from the Almighty. We need to follow the old book. Number two, here's another thing. We need to follow that old-time religion. This, uh, this new mess sending people straight to hell at the speed of light. I was just talking to a staff member, David, just earlier. They're watching, they were doing some research, and they're watching this YouTube about church plants in the United States of America. More than, more than ever in the Southern Baptist Convention, in the very convention that we support and that we love, the social gospel has infiltrated to the point where we're seeing more and more churches start and offer the social gospel than rather the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
the, the social gospel just says, look, here, here's what you need to do with the Bible. No Bible. Let me just come out here and have a little talk with you. I want to talk to you today about 13 ways you can have a good life right now. Well, I want to tell you what. I can tell you how to have a good life right now 13 different ways, and that ain't going to do nothing for you but send you away empty. So how do you know that, preacher? Because Solomon tried it. He tried everything that he possibly could to fill the God-shaped vacuum in his heart. And the bottom line was he said, i got to remember to get back to God. That's what we must remember today, that the gospel is not a social gospel that once you receive Jesus Christ, everybody's happy, everybody's dandy, everybody's going to have a good time. No, the gospel... The true gospel of Jesus Christ says you'll come to Christ. It'll cost you your life. Your mama will still die. Your daddy will still die. And I know this might sound morbid, but I'm telling you the truth. It is no guarantee that your kids won't die before you do. And that's hard. And that hurts. And people turn and they look at Christians today and say, How could a loving God, how could a loving, caring God, if God was a God of love, He would have created a world where you would just be, everything would be right, they'd, right, there'd be no death, there would be nothing, there would just be complete happiness. And we say, He did. We even mess that up. Romans chapter 5 says, For whereas one man's sin entered the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Bless God, we need to remember the old-time religion. Number three, we need to remember the old country church. So what do you mean, preacher? Listen to me. You're watching today. There's over 100 people watching today before I preach. I don't know how many's watching now. Probably less. But if you're still hanging in there, thank you. I, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm so grateful. We got folks watching all over the world. You can't make it here. That's what this is designed for. You can't make it here. Some are shut-ins. I understand. You can't make it here. I understand that, okay? But I also understand that there are people living in our culture today that's used this pandemic as an excuse to stay home on Sunday mornings, to sit down there, lazy boy, and prop their feet up and drink their coffee and listen to the preacher rant and rave and not be inside the service. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. We need to remember the old country church. We need to remember. Everybody that's here is going, thank God I'm glad he got on them folks and not me. Sunday mornings, Christians ought to count it a joy to get up. You ought to count it a joy to get dressed. You ought to count it a joy to go to the house of the Lord and worship and fellowship together. Uh, listen, they, they didn't care. Those old times, they didn't care about multiple services. They, they didn't care how many times they had to be there. They didn't care about how long they had to be there. They wanted to be there, and they wanted to receive the Word of God. They wanted to receive it with gladness. The preacher would preach for about an hour and a half. It was always heaven high and hell hot. I'm telling you what, it was a day that we need to get back to where we hear the gospel once again preached and bellowed from the pulpit and whether we be in one service or two or ten it doesn't matter what matters is the word of God's being preached yeah. so you fired up today well it's only Memorial Day once a year so is it number four we need to get back to the old hymns I feel I'm not, I'm not offended, okay? Look, I love, I love Phil. I thank God for Phil. If I didn't like him, I'd fire him. He does an awesome job. 
sang some good hymns today. We got to get back to the old hymns. We lose something if we don't sing. Now, look, I'm all for this. I'm all for this dandy stuff that's today. I love it. I love it. That song we will remember. Bless God. That's a great one. I love all of those songs. I love all them. The, the contemporary ones. I, 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 I like them all. But we can't forsake the old hymns. We need some more of the old rugged cross. We need some more of nothing but the blood. We need to remember at the cross and blessed assurance. We can't forsake the old hymns. And then the last thing we need to remember concerning the old religion. We need to remember the old doctrines. That's our problem today. Paul told Timothy this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou have learned and had been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He says, remember what you've learned and who you learned it from. May it be said at Maysville Baptist Church, when you came here, you learned about the Bible. You learned about what God had to say concerning Christ's blood atonement. It's still about the blood. We need to make sure that, bless God, whoever stands in this pulpit, whether it be me or Chris or whoever, whoever you call to be pastor, they ought not to never forsake the blood covenant of Jesus Christ. If they weren't willing to preach about the blood, you ought to fire them. Here's another one. We ought to, we ought to remember Christian holiness. We start talking about holiness as, uh, as Baptists. We start getting scared. We ought to get back to some Christian holiness. Oh, Chris took off running. I got excited. I almost started running. I know he forgot it. Bless God, I didn't. I ran because I was excited about Jesus. By, by the way, let me just go ahead and say this. I don't care how fast you run or how high you jump, just as long as when your feet hit the ground, you're speaking English. Look at your neighbor and say, is he okay? Here's another doctrine we need to, we need to make sure you're here. The second coming. We need to hear about the second coming. I think that's one of the reasons why we don't fear God. We don't think he's coming. We've hee-hawed around with some of, these, some of these Christian apologists and some of these guys have been educated far beyond their own intelligence, got lace on their underwear, talking about how, how happy we need to be and all this. And look, I'm all for happiness, but what I want more than happiness is the abundant life that Jesus gives. And that abundant life that he gives comes through the second coming. He's coming and he's coming again. Number four, we, we got to remember eternal security. We need to remember that once you were saved, you're always saved. Number five, we, we ought not to forsake, and we got to remember baptism by immersion. The hardest thing we've been through is this pandemic. That, that goes without saying. But we got to get back to stirring the blessed baptismal waters again. The only way that's going to happen is we got to tell people about Jesus, win them to Christ. And, and by the way, if we're going to do that, we got to remember this, this doctrine, the virgin birth. Here's one we left a long time ago. The inspiration of the scriptures. You ought to hear sermons on heaven. And you ought to hear sermons on hell. Bless God, I'm not afraid to, to preach about hell. Hell's a real place. If you die without Jesus Christ, you'll burn in hell. So that preacher, that just doesn't sound right coming out. The gospel didn't come to bring comfort. It came to offend. 
And the offense that it gives proves the guilt that was in our heart. And the abundant life will only come about through receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord and repenting of your sins and trusting Him as your Lord and Savior. We ought to remember heaven. We ought to remember hell's a real place. We ought to remember the old paths. And then number five, the fifth one, and the congregation said amen. We ought to remember the Lord. We do this regularly at the Lord's Supper. First uh, Corinthians eleven twenty four says this. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And Paul's quoting him. He's quoting Jesus there. Do this in remembrance of me. Remembering his ultimate sacrifice as he died on Calvary's cross for our sins. And that ought to be the main thing that we remember. That Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 14 says this. And I, I looked up. And rose up, and I said unto the nobles, and to the rulers, and to the rest of the people, Be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. The Lord's great, but he's also terrifying. Terrible. We ought to remember our Lord and Savior with our time. You're doing that today. You're here remembering the Lord, having your mind and heart shook to remember our foundations of the United States of America. You're here being shook, remembering what Jesus Christ did for you on Calvary's cross. And I'm asking you to remember Jesus with your time. Make a commitment that not just on Memorial Day, but in the days of the future, days to come, you'll be faithful in the Lord's house. To drop out of church because you stop an 8 o'clock worship service is a sin. Remember God with your time. Remember God with your talent. God has gifted us and wants us to use that talent for Him. Remember Him with your treasure. It's proportional as God has blessed. Remember God with your thoughts. And remember God with your tasks. And may we never forget these things in closing. May we always remember his dying love. When Jesus was on the cross, remember what he said? His dying love was this. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. His dying love. Remember his comforting call. He said, come to me, all you that heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Remember his charge. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And remember his commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He wasn't talking about the Ten Commandments. Jesus was talking about the great commandment. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. And the second's likened to it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. In Judges chapter 2, verse 10, personally, I think is the saddest verse in the whole Bible. 
Listen to what it says. It says, and also that generation were gathered unto their fathers. So let me stop and say it parenthetically. There was a family reunion. And there arose another generation after them. So there was a generation that came in this family reunion. But after that generation died, there came another generation after them. And this generation knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which the Lord had done for Israel. You can't see all of our uh, historical monuments in many ways today, primarily because you're kept out from seeing them or they're covered up. You want to know how a nation forgets God? They don't talk about him. They take him out of the schools. They take him out of the courtroom. They take him out of the family. And they end up taking him out of church. Oh, they gather together on Sunday mornings. Don't get me wrong. But they don't hear the preaching of the Word of God. They just hear about the social challenges and how we can overcome them by being better. You just being better will send you to hell. The only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what gender you think you are. It doesn't matter what denomination you think you are. The only thing that matters is your relationship with him. Do you have it? If we're going to remember those that shed their blood for our freedoms here in the United States, then we got to remember why they were willing to shed their blood for that freedom. And in order to figure that out, you got to go all the way back in history to where there was a tyrant king and that tyrant king wanted to lord over the people and have a state church and tell them when to worship, how to worship, why to worship. And the people did not have the freedom to worship. And there were some individuals that said, that's not good enough. We want to worship God like the Bible says. And they were willing to risk their lives to travel to the United States to set up colonies so that they could worship the Lord in freedom. And then man got involved. And anytime man gets involved, oftentimes we, we try to figure things out. And like I said before, we get educated far beyond our own intelligence. And it made a booger of it. And there are some things in our history and our nation that none of us are proud of. But the ultimate reason why we're here today is because a soldier was willing to shed his blood on foreign fields to defend our founding documents that say we're a free people, that God has given us rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, all of which are found in the Word of God, all of which Solomon sought diligently 
but only found in one person. And that's in God. So friend, I, I close with this. The only way you'll ever find true happiness and true meaning in your life is you've got to come to God. What's amazing to me is the Bible says there's a moral law in your heart. And that moral law that exists inside your heart, there's a hole that no morality can fill, no matter how good you are. The only thing that can fill that hole inside your heart is God. The only way to have that field is you've got to come on God's way and God's terms. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man will come to the Father but by me. Jesus simply said, I went to Calvary. I died on the cross. I took your sins on myself. When I died, I died for you. On the third day, I rose again for you. And if you want that forgiveness, all you have to do is come to me. And the question that men and women wrestle with today is how do they come to Jesus? Because some religions say that the way that you come to Jesus is through sacraments. No. And then there's others that say, no, that's not right. The way you come to Jesus is through confirmation. And then there are others that say, no, you, you come by being baptized. And then there are others that say, no, you come by joining the church and being baptized. I just want to know what the Bible says. How does the Bible say that you should come to Jesus? Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 put it this way. If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the biblical way. Isn't it, David? So my question to you is this. Have you come the biblical way? You may, you may have come through church membership and baptism you may have come through baptism you may have come through confirmation you may have even come through sacraments but you didn't come the Bible way through Jesus so I'm challenging you today would you come to Jesus by coming to him and confessing with your mouth could we bow for prayer with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning maybe you're here and maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior you'd like to come to him today right where you're at whether you be driving I'm going to ask you to pull over if you're driving if you're watching in your living room today or at your study or in your home or even at your office or on the beach would you give your heart to Jesus today would you come his way Would you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you are the Savior. And this morning I ask you to save me. I confess my sin to you. I repent and I trust you as my Savior. Thank you for saving me. I'll live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. As a pastor, my primary concern is your eternity. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, that you can know where you will spend eternity. 
I would love to connect with you and talk more about your walk of faith. You can email and find more information about the ministry of Maysville Baptist Church on our website. Just type maysvillebaptist.net in your search engine. Also, you can support this ministry through our website or by mailing your gift to 8875 Highway 82 Spur Road, Maysville, Georgia, 30558. God bless you, and I hope you tune in next week where once again we turn our hearts towards the Word of God.